The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Gitin. Masechet Gitin has been sponsored by our good friend and loyal Talmud of the Dafayomi, Mr. Haimi Dana, and his dear wife, Hashem Ishmael Mechayem. He has dedicated this Masechet according to the following principle. Our rabbis tell us that when you learn something, it can avert that item from happening. So we'd like to learn the Masechet Gitin, so it will remain in the theory of learning and never come to fruition in actuality. And therefore it should be blessed, him and his dear wife, and all of Klal Yisrael, with Shalom Bayit, and Atzlachan Harvacha, Bechol Ma'asei Yedehem, Amen. Daf Zayin. Today's daf is being studied in Ushmat, Morzikini, Yosef Ben Salaf, and Marat Zikinati, Yafab Batsalaf, and Abraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tirhem, Begin Eden, Amen. Fashul Imam, Moshe Ben Dina, Salaf, Ruhamah Batrahem, Salaf Batrahem, Enna Refan Alem, Fata Nefesh, Fata Guf, Fata Mkirabad, Vavikin, Yosef Ben Omar, Amen. We begin today's daf on Vav Amud Bet, and we are beginning... Four lines from the bottom. Anybody that instills excessive fear to the members of his household, that can bring him to the three cardinal sins. It's the immorality, murder, the Hilul Shabbat, as well as Hilul Shabbat. Now, how is that possible? So that she says, Gilui Arayot, Keshemagi Azman Tevilata Be'et Sina. It's going to come the time for his wife to go to the Mikveh, and it's going to be cold. And she's going to be scared to tell the husband that she didn't go to the Mikveh because the guy is instilling excessive fear. Now, what's going to happen? He's going to go with a Nida. So, excessive fear can lead the husband to commit the sin of Arayot. Like the case of Pilegish Begiv'ah. Because the guy that was married to this Pilegish was very, very uh, intimidating on his wife. So therefore his wife uh, was scared of him, ran away, and uh, that created the whole story where he ran after her. And they got to the place of uh, Giva'ah, and that's where they violated her, and then caused the civil war. So you see, it can lead to Shavikudamim. And she died herself. It actually killed her. Yeah, because uh, uh, they killed her that night. Or, or stop. A lady's running away from her husband because she's, she's scared of her. She's scared of him and uh, she falls into one of the pits or she falls off a bridge or something like that, running away. So this one can lead to Sometimes she'll put on the light or she'll cook even after it got dark. Because he's scared, let's say the food was cold. She forgot to turn on the fire, so she's scared to tell the husband that the food is uh, cold. Because he's going to, you know, be very, very tough. So therefore she cooks on Shabbat itself, she heats up the food on Shabbat itself. So therefore, excessive fear only leads to Averot. Uh, look at the Tosafot. Tosafot says, Shalosh Averot, Beseder Olam Amar, De Oto Yom De Pilegish Begivah. That day of the Pilegish Begivah, Shabbataya. Oh, so that that day itself was Shabbat when it when it happened, um, and therefore uh, that was part of the Hilul Shabbat that took place uh, on that day. That they violated on Shabbat. Obviously, there was Hilul Shabbat involved. The Rabbeinu Hananel Katav Gimel Averu Gilu Arushu Davim Hilul Shabbat the Gimel Ayu Pelegish Begivah. 
which means all these three things happened in Pilegas and because they violated the Pilegas when she got to the Binyamin area. They all, uh, you know, they raped her the whole night. That's Gilu Arayot. Helul Shabbat, because it was on Shabbat. And also Shifikut uh, Amin. They killed her in the end. So in the story itself, and all because why? Because the husband of the Pilegesh was a very, you know, controlling guy. He instilled excessive fear, different caused his wife to run away. Because we said that it was flying the soup, and there was hair in the soup, or whatever it was. And therefore, uh, the Gemara says that's what can happen uh, to that situation. Amar Rabbah, that's what the rab- that that which the rabbis taught. There are three things that a person is supposed to say to his wife uh, right before he gets dark on Friday afternoon before Shabbat. So the three things are: Did you take the maaseriet? She says which is the fruits that they were planning on eating. Uh, for the next day, so once already you're designating the fruits uh, to eat, so you cannot eat them until you take the ma'asir, you cannot take ma'asir on Shabbat, so therefore the husband would say to the wife before Shabbat, did you take the ma'asir, the tithes, in order to eat the fruit, or did you set up the eruv haserot, in order to carry in the courtyard, you know, the, with the other dwellings, other residents, so you need to make what's called an eruv haserot, like we learned, when you take a piece of bread, and you combine it in one of the households, and therefore they're allowed to carry from the house to the haserot, and from the houses to the other houses in the haserot. So he, he asks her, and then he tells her, Adliku etaner. Then he doesn't have to answer, because then he can see himself it was done or not. So if he says, Adliku etaner, light the, uh, light the candles. So the Gemara says, Sarih lememrinu benihuta. When you're telling her these three things, you have to say it, benihuta, in a calm voice. Benahat. Kiehi delikiblu bine. So she will accept it. Which means you want it to be effective that they'll listen to you. So what the Yabara is telling you, one of the ways that uh, you get the people to listen is you don't scream at them and intimidate them, you say it, then ahad. I want certain explanation based on this. That's why it says Adam Adam Nomar Betoch Beto Shabbat. What does that have to say Betok Beto? Of course if he's talking to his wife, it doesn't have to be Betoch Beto in his house. It means don't scream that the neighbors can hear. Keep the volume Betoch Beto. Keep it within the confines and the, the walls of his house. Amar says, I didn't hear this rule of Rabbi Barhana that says you're supposed to say it in a calm uh, voice. But I kept the Misavara. I mean, logic says that uh, it makes sense. And therefore, uh, you know, I, I knew it without having to hear the uh, statement. You know, logic t- dictates that if you tell people things, you know, in a nice way, so it'll be, uh, it'll be more effective. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar of Abu, the Olam al Yatil Adam Imayitra betuchbeto, Share Adam Gadol Yatil Imayitra betuchbeto, Vehilu Davar Gadol. Says there was a man that put excessive fear in his household, and they fed him Davar Gadol, which means a great item, a great isur. Umana, who is the rabbi? Rav Hanina ben Gamliel. And the Gemara says the isur over here is referring to is they gave him. Evid minahai. Evid minahai means when you have to store the animal before you, uh, you know, you cook it. But what they did was that uh, I guess he told them to bring them an animal, and they were delayed for whatever reason. They were scared that he's going to get angry at them, so they just went and they cut a you know, piece off the animal before the animal was actually slaughtered. That's a sumna Torah. It's called Evid minahai. So the Gemara says he ate it. So the Gemara says he 
You think he actually ate it? Can't be why. God doesn't bring a stumbling block to the animals of the tzaddikim. Do you think he's going to bring a stumbling block to the tzaddikim themselves? Specifically, the tzaddikim's animals, God protects them from sin, like the story of Rabbi Pinhas bin Yair, where we know that his animal, his hamor, was very, very pious in the sense it would not eat food that they did not take to the mot masot. And therefore, if the animals of the tzaddikim are protected from ma'achal isur, certainly the tzaddikim, God is not going to bring a stumbling block to, the, to, to, to them. They, they tried, they almost fed him the Vargadol, but he was saved in the end. What is that? Now, Tosafot over here has a very interesting rules over here regarding the Tzadikim. Look at the top Tosafot. Amar Berutam. Which means this Gemara, the Gemariyot, in many places will always ask, whenever the rabbi commits a certain sin, so the Gemara would say, impossible. If the behemoth of the tzaddikim were protected from sin, tzaddikim no kochekin, so that she says they only ask that question when it comes to ma'achal isud, eating something that's forbidden. Why? That's a very big gnai to say that a tzaddik ate something isud, which is for them to commit other sins. For example, Tosfor brings stories in the Gemara where one rabbi was mahalal shabbat. The Gemara doesn't ask over there. Oh, if the, if the animals didn't commit sin, what about the tzaddikim? The Gemara could tolerate that maybe a tzaddik committed halus shabbat by mistake. Or even the Gemara Makot, a rabbi by mistake had somebody murdered on bad testimony. We have the last question over there. So you see, there's something intrinsically more stringent about saying that a tzaddik ate something isur. And what is that difference? Because we know that ma'achal isur is metamtem etalev. It causes the person's judgment to become obscured. And then we cannot accept that the Tanaim or the Amoraim that wrote for us the Shast that had the greatest clarity and they gave us the Torah through their teachings, it is impossible to say that God would allow them to eat something that is uh, not kosher, which means it becomes part of you. And therefore it's very hard to, to get rid of it. So therefore always when the Gemara is talking about like in this case over here, they gave him Evan Menachai. Impossible he ate Evan Menachai. That's already Ma'achal Isur. So then Tosfot has a Hiluk and he says, we find in some Gemariyot, where rabbis ate before Havdalah. Or rabbis ate on a fast day. And the Gemara doesn't ask over there, oh, Uma Behemtam. So Tosfot says, you got to see, there's a difference of eating something mutar at a time of Isur, as opposed to eating something that is Isur intrinsically. So therefore you see already, the Isur of Ma'achal is in a different category than all the other Isurim in the Torah. There the Gemara cannot tolerate for a minute that Hachim ever stumbled on Ma'achal Isur. That's a, a strong, a strong Musabat. The Musabat the Gemara is trying to point out today is that that's what happens when a person has overly, uh, puts overly excessive fear into his household. That's like uh, what could happen, like we said, Hanul Shabbat. Uh, the, 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 the lady didn't pick up the cleaners before Shabbat. And the, the, she's now realizes right before Shabbat, and the husband's going to flip out that the suit's not ready. So what does she do? She gets in the car right before Shabbat. Uh, and it's on Shabbat now she goes she picks the cleaners up and it's there why did she be halal Shabbat because she wanted to appease the husband she knew the husband's not going to be willing to accept it so therefore these type of items can really lead to cause a person 
to cause others to make sin and actually cause himself to make sin as well as we just saw in this story potentially. Gamarat tells another fact, there are certain people that are uh, literally uh, standing over me. Rashi says, Seems they were giving him a hard time. They were cursing him. They were blaspheming him. So therefore, he said, these people are standing over me. Uh, and I have the ability to give them over to the government. Seems that uh, even though we know that the suit of uh, Misira is uh, very great, you're not allowed to inform to the government, but in this case, Sovey, you have to say that he obviously felt that they're giving him so much tsar that in order to protect himself, the only thing he was able to do was uh, to give him over to the uh, Malchut. No. So it says, Mahu, am I allowed to? Yes, he wanted to know, know Psak. So the rabbi sent the back of Pasuk. Now we learned yesterday that when you send Pesukim, you have to actually draw the lines on the paper. So he wrote on the paper and he drew the lines for him and he says, Amarti, the Pasuk says, Amarti ishmira derachai mehato bilshoni, ishmira lefi mahsom beod rasha lenegdi. Which literally means, ishmira lefi mahsom. I'm going to put a, uh, a muzzle, so to speak, on my mouth. As long as the rasha is in front of me. So the rabbi told him like this, Even though the rasha is fighting me, and he's in front of me, I'm going to close my mouth. Which means, swallow it. Don't say anything. But they're giving me tremendous sa'ar. And I cannot, I cannot take it anymore. I cannot stand in front of them anymore. It's too, too much. And you're telling me to, you know, just to, to keep quiet. So he sends back, So he's donesh like this. Dom Hashem, Serve God in dimdume hama. Serve God with the sun. Serve God at sunrise and serve God at sunset. Which means... <clears throat> pray, pray to Bore Olam at the times of sunrise and sunset. halalim halalim. And the other pasuk says, and your enemies will fall, and there will be you know much casualties. The Gemara says, Hashkem va'arev alim the Bet Midrash. We quote the our text. Get up early to the Bet Midrash. Learn in the morning with the sun. Learn at night when the sun comes down. Which is, that's the that's the answer. Study Torah and all your enemies, without having to fight, without taking them to the government, without doing anything, <clears throat> without getting involved in informant. Study Torah, morning and the evening, and your enemies will go down. That's Tosfot says over here. Hashkem va'arev alehem. Also, Tosfot says, <coughs> but the Gebarabba says, anybody that puts his judgment to the Shamayim, he gets punished. Which anybody that comes along and says, God, you judge it. So that's what this guy's doing over here. This guy's saying, you know what, I'm not going to get involved, God will take care of it. So the Gebarabba says, that that's not good to put your judgment in the hands of God, or somebody's judgment in the hands of God. So, that's only when you're able to get judgment on earth. However, he, over here, they weren't able to get judgment. You couldn't bring these guys to, to, to court or anything. They were gangsters. So therefore, in this case, he was allowed to let God handle it. He wasn't telling them to go uh, take the, do, do, put the judgment in the Shammai. He was just telling them, go start learning. 
Just learn, and the learning of Torah will uh, protect you. So it wasn't like the case of Abba where, where he actually said, God, you judge it. He wasn't telling God to judge it. He told us, go learn in the morning, and go learn in the evening. Which is, a, which is a tremendous musad, the rabbis say also on this Gemara, which means sometimes when a person is having problems from his enemies and his, and his, and his uh, adversaries, dom lashim. Dom also could mean dom, like vayidom aron. Be quiet, don't say anything. Anticipate uh, God, and God will uh, bring uh, halalim, halalim. Don't, uh, don't, you don't always have to you know, take a revenge and, and fight it. Borei Olam knows the emet, who's right and wrong, and just do your thing, learn. Uh, early in the morning and late at night and everything uh, works out for the best comes the Gemaran says so once the Bilalai gave the advice that your enemies will fall maybe casualties Geneva it seems was the one that was painting and sure enough they ended up putting him in the kolar which means they put him in the uh, in the prison that she says, and they ended up killing him. That she says that's like the chains that they take out the, you know, the harugim malchut, right? Shalshelat shel barzel shenotnim sham muhtabim lemalchut tariga, right? That's right before they kill the guy and put him in the chain. So therefore, it happened. And the rabbi said it, and it came true. Shalchol lemor ugba. Okay, another story. I sent to mor ugba zimra mina lan deasir. Something that we learned at the end of Masechet Sota repeats itself now in Masechet Gittin. How do you know that Zimra, music, is forbidden? How do you know that over here? Which means that, uh, obviously this is talking about over here, uh, after the destruction of the uh, Beit HaMikdash, and all that. So how do you know that they were, there's a restriction of, um, of music? Now from the Gemara's question, Zimra, it's mashma any type of uh, music over here, uh, whether it's or even if it's with instruments, or even if it is Bape. Uh, uh, now look at Tosafot. Zimra minana de asut pirus be kuntras le shoreb be beta mishtaot. Right? Come here, parties and things like that. Vechen mashma de kama vilishlap le maaka bishilu ishtu yampirik batran de sotatran mishibata sededrin. Right? When the sededrin was in exile, batel shir be beta mishtaot shinama bishilu ishtu yain. Vera'uila amir bechayotse. And not only in parties, but Tosfot says and things that are similar as well. Even waking up to music, or going to sleep to music. Well, it's a, too, too much pleasure. And then Tosfot says, But if it's a for mitzvah purposes, okay. So that's the Tosfot we mentioned in the second Sotah, that Tosfot plays it for a wedding, the rabbis never put an institution on that. They allowed the, uh, you know, for uh, music and things like that. Anyway, they asked the rabbi the question: How do you know that zimra is asur? Sirtet vechatavlo. Again, he wrote sirtut, made the lines on the paper. He said to pasuk from Moshea: Al tismach Yisrael el gil kaamim, which means that the prophets do not rejoice. Like the Goyim. Goyim rejoice in their parties with music and things like that. So the prophet says, don't be like the Goyim and rejoice like them with music and so on. So the Gibra says, Why did Mor Ogba send them from another Pasuk? The Pasuk says, Bashir lo yishtu yayim yemar shechar leshotav. Which means, the, the, he says, Beferushi Hoshaya, that what Bashir, with music, lo yishteyayin, you should not drink uh, wine. And Yemar, let the, uh, let it become bitter. What become bitter? Let the Shekhar become bitter to his drinkers. Why did he send them uh, that Pasuk? 
And we know that Pasuk is also talking about after the destruction of Bet HaMikdash. It says, Because if you would have said that Pasuk, I would have thought, maybe it's only with instruments that's going to be uh, uh, sued. Because the Pasuk says over there, Shabbat Mesus Tupim. It talks about actual instruments itself. Aval de Puma Shai, but I would have thought that maybe verbal without music is going to be mutar. Kamashmala, that's what the Pasuk says over there. Al Tisma Yisrael il Gil Ka'amim, which means any type of uh, music, any type of singing is going to be Asur. Comes the Gemara now in Isdoresh. Amar le Ravuna Banatan Reb Ashi. My dikti, what does it mean in the Pasuk in Yoshua? Kina vidimona ve'adada. These were names of places. So he wants to know, is there a derasha on these names over here? Amar leh, matavata de Eres Israel kahashiv. So he said, what, 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 do you mean? What, what, what do you mean, what's the derasha? These are the cities of Eres Israel. What, what, do, you, what do you want a derasha over here? It's a, this is a, it's a mata. It's a, it's, a, it's a city. Amar leh, atu analu yadana de matavata de Eres Israel kahashiv. Well, I don't know that. I don't think I know these are names of the cities. Ela ravgivihame me argiza Amar Batama. He explained the names of the city. He gave a derasha on this. What was the derasha? Kol sheyeshlo kina al chaveru. Anybody that has envy or jealousy, or say anger in this case, against his friend, because let's say his friend pained him or something like that, vedomem, and he keeps quiet. He accepts it. Shochen ade ad the shochen ade the one that rests in the heavens, which is God. God will judge for him. So therefore the three words would be like this. Kina, a person that has kina against his friend, anger against his friend, vidimona, meaning dom, he is silent. Ad'ada, shochen ad'ad, the one that rests, ad'ad, the eternal one, is going to take judgment for us. That's a good dirasha. To say that a person who keeps quiet, the books do bring down uh, that when a person gets um, uh, embarrassed or something like that by somebody else and he keeps quiet and he just accepts it and doesn't respond, at that moment is in a tremendous sha'at ratzon in the heavens, and at that point a person should take advantage to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for whatever he wants, because at that moment his tefillot will be answered. That strength that it says, that the Gemara says in the Pasuk, Tone Eres. Al-Belima, that God suspends the world, God holds the world up. Al-Belima, what does Belima mean? Mishibolem piv mishat kaso. Somebody that's able to silence his mouth and keep quiet at the time of his anger. So that's what the Gabbana is saying on this kinas. If somebody got angry at you, vidimona, and you kept quiet, the one that's uh, eternal is going to fight your battles for you. So it's okay, very nice. You're giving dirashot on the cities of Israel. How can I mean? You want to be Doresh these three cities as well? So he comes on this Amar there. Yeah, if the rabbi was still around, he'd, he'd interpret probably these three, these three uh, cities as well. And we actually have a derasha from Rabbi Ham Bechozai. He said the following: which means anybody that has a claim against his friend, that his friend is dipping into his parnasah. Which means he feels like his friend is a you know, c- c- competitor. So a person has a claim that his friend is, uh, you know, taking away from his uh, panazah, from his sustenance, vedomen, 
And he keeps quiet. Shochen basene. The God that appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu in the burning bush, is going to make him a judgment to save him in order that nobody be able to take Panasawai. So let's read that inside now with the three cities. Siklag, that means Sa'akat Legima. Anybody that has a claim of sustenance that somebody else is taking, and then Umadmana, and he's Domehim and he keeps quiet, Sansana Melashon Seneh. The God that rested in the snare, that appeared in the snare, is going to, to make sure that everything is uh, in order. Now, Tosfot uh, points out, in the first report, you have to say it's a case where you cannot take him to Betin. Certain cases you cannot litigate in Betin. Because if you go to Betin, obviously it's out of Betin's jurisdiction, such a case. So therefore he has to rely on God for him to handle the uh, situation. Comes the Gibran says, Now we go back to some stuff that we discussed at the end of Sotah, things that were forbidden at the time of the destruction. So he tells the Ravuna, That's like the crown. The uh, yeah, the crown that they used to make for the hatanim, right at the wedding. Minaland asur. How do we know that this item is going to be asur? We said they used to make this out of gold, and some would make it out of silver, and they would uh, use a gofit vamela. They would put sulfur coloring on it and uh, salt. We said as well, uh, and some said they used to make it out of uh, rose roses and hadasim and things like that. How do we know that this item? Uh, is Asur after Beit HaMikdash destroyed? Amaleh Midrabanan He says it's Asur Midrabanan Takanat HaChamim Detnan Tiyanus Sotam Memtet Befulmos Shil Aspasianos At the time that Vespasian came with his soldiers on Jerusalem to destroy it Gazru Alatnot Hatanim They made a Gezera on the crowns of the Hatanim Ve'al HaIrus Irus, you remember we said it was the bell the bell had the clapper, one clapper that made the uh, the noise. That was a special instrument they used to use at the weddings. They made a gizera on that as well. In the interim, uh, when they were saying this, the Rasha Ravuna got up to go to relieve himself. Went to the bathroom. So Rav Chazda tells the Rish Galut, Krakiti. Why are you saying it's only with banan? It's actually a pasuk. The pasuk in Yaskel says, Ko Amar Hashem Elohim, Hasir Amisnefet Ve'arima Atara. Zot lo zot. Hashafala hagbeya vagaboa hashpin. Literally, what's the person saying? Take off the misnefit. Misnefit is the hat of the Kohen Gadol. And lift the crown. And then it says zot lo zot. This, not this. The lower one is elevated, the elevated one is lowered. So the Yavarat's vehima and yan misnefit, it's an atara. What's the connection between the misnefit of the Kohen Gadol to the, to the crown of Hatanim? So the Gemara's Doresh, Ela Lomalak, Bizman Shem Misnefit Berosh Kohen Gadol, Atara Berosh Kol Adam. Nistaleka Misnefit Berosh Kohen Gadol, Nistaleka Atara Berosh Kol Adam. Which means they work hand in hand. As long as the Kohen Gadol is wearing his, his hat, that means the Bittu Gadol is around, the Hatanim could wear their crowns. The Atara was taken off, which means Hali, Hasera Misnefit, that already harem ha'ataraz. So what, basically what he was trying to say is, why is Rabbi not saying it's only rabbinical? It's actually has a source in the Pesukim, it's in the Tanakh. It's the Kabbalah, which is a Pasukah that says that when the Bethlehem is destroyed, the Hatari cannot wear the Atarah. In the interim, Ravuna came back from the bathroom. So he sees them uh, sitting down over there and analyzing the source for Atrot Hatarim. So he says, Amaleh ha'eloim. Midrabanan. 
He says, I swear that I'm telling you the law is that this is only a sur from the Hachamim and there's no source from the Pesukim, uh, that over there that says uh, in the Pesuk, Ataras, uh, about the king's crown, that there's going to come a time when a crown, the kings are not going to wear their crowns anymore at the time of the destruction, and they, which means that was referring to the last king of Malchai Yehuda, which is Kiyamun Yehuda, and at the time that the, the Bukhanesan came in, he like dethroned Sitkiyamun Yehuda. A buddy told him like this, you have a nice derasha, Ela Hizda Shemach Vehizdain Milach. Your name is Hizda, and your words have charm. It means Hizda'in Milach. Your words are nice. They have nice words, but it's not, uh, not accurate. The Pazuk is not talking about that. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rav Hizda, Talmidosh Ravunava, who was a student of Ravuna, Veloayam Meshi Bifanav. He wouldn't say his explanation until Ravuna went out of the room. Out of respect to the rabbi, which is Ravuna, everything was there. So they asked him, hey, how do you know that they came with this Atarai? So Ravuna said, it's with Rabbanan. Ravuna kept quiet. When Ravuna went to the bathroom, Ravuna then said, okay, my rabbi is not a friend, I can say what I want to say. She said, it's a pasuk in Yahizkel. Uh, so when Ravuna came back, he says, not so. It's not a pasuk, that's not a pshat. It's with Rabbanan, but you know what? Hazda'in milech. Kivichikam Ravuna, amale Ravuzan, rishkeuta, krakitiv. Okay? Look at the next Rashi. Ha'eluhim with Rabbanan. He saw in the prophecy that the Kehuna is going to be nullified and is going to go into the exile. Your, uh, your words are nice and hasudim, they are present. Come to Gibran says, My zot lo zot. Excuse me, so in the Pasuk of the Yonske, this, not this. What does that mean? Sometimes he said it in the name of Rav Amin, sometimes he said it in the name of Rav Asi. When God said, take off the, the, the hat of the queen, I don't take off the crown of the king. So the angels came in front of God. The Zot, you're going to do this to the Jewish people that have such a zechut that they received the Torah, they said Na'asev and Ishma, they accepted it blindly. God said, Lo Zot, should I not do this to the Jewish people? That what? Which means they elevated the low one. Who's that? Elohim Ahadim. They elevated other foreign gods and worshipped them and they lowered the high which means they left me and they put in the Echal they put in the Echal itself and therefore God says the angels come along and say Zot is they worthy of this? and God comes along back and says Lo Zot are they not deserving of this? why? because they've elevated the low and they have lowered the uh, high uh, look at um, Gemara further. Okay, I will go back. The Gemara, we go back. Ravina, right after Hazdain Milech. We went out of order here. We'll just go back to catch up every word. Ravina, Ashkeke, Lemor Barav Ashe, Dehava Gadil Kilila Libarte. He saw Ravina, saw Mor Barav Ashe, that he was making a Kilila. He was like a tiara that he was weaving it for his daughter. Daughter was getting married, obviously. Ambar de losavale mora sidam stevdvarim atara. 
Don't you hold it a pasuk that says that when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, there's no more tiaras, no more crowns? So he answered back, it's similar to the Kohen Gadol. Which is just like the pasuk is talking about the Kohen Gadol. He has to give his, his hat off. So the Hatanim cannot wear their hats. The men to the men. But it doesn't apply to the ladies. That was his uh, answer back, that it's only an item for Hatanim and not for uh, Kalot. Now, sounds like he's learning it from the Pasuk, like Rav Chazda uh, learned it. Okay. Good. Comes the Gemara and continues. So we said, "My zot v'lo zot." Taras of Aviraz, the mina madam shved Rabbi, the mina madam shved Rabbi Asi. B'shaat shemakish baruchu shir asidam eshim v'anim atara. Amnu malachesh shel dafnei akados baruchu rebrosh olam. Zot ani israel shetim lefanecha b'slein aslein shma. Amadeim lo zot ani israel sheshpinu tagavu v'gviut rishafel. Deimidu sel ma'echal. Taras of Aviraz, the mina madam shved Rabbi Ami, the mina madam shved Rabbi Asi. My dichtiv. What does it mean in the pasuk? The Pasuk says, Ko Amar Hashem, Im Shelemim, Vechen Rabim, Vechen Nagozu, Ve'avar. So the Gibbara says, Im Ro'eh Adam Shemizonotav Mitzumtzamim. Which means if a person starts to notice that his mizonot are mitzumtzam, that means um, he has exactly what he needs. They're shalem, meaning they're perfect, they don't have any, any excess. Meaning he's just barely making it, they're complete. He doesn't have anything extra, he's uh, mitzumtzam. Ya'asimim sedakah, start giving charity. Give some away. And that's what the pasuk says, yagozu. Yagozu means to cut. Which means cut some of it away and give it to Sedaqah Vechot Sheken, Keshem Mirubin. And then when the Pazuk says Vechen Rabim, all the most, if you have a lot of money, certainly you should give Sedaqah. Which is again, again goes against conventional wisdom. A person might think that he has exactly just enough money to get by. That's when he has to stop giving Sedaqah. But the Gemara is saying over here on the contract, when a person has uh, 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 the minimum money, that's when he has to start giving Sedaqah in order for the. Berachah to go into his parnasah and koshekin. If he has rabim, if he has a lot of money, certainly he should give the tzedakah. Ve'may ve'chen nagozu ve'avar. What does the pasuk say? Mean on those words? Tanad b'rishmael kol agozes menechasav ve'osim em tzedakah. Anybody that cuts nagozu is to cut. Anybody that cuts from his uh, assets and gives tzedakah. Nitzol medina shel geinam. He's going to save, be saved from. The punishment of Gainam, like the Pasuk says, Ve'avar. Ve'avar meaning he'll pass, he'll pass, he'll be safe from Gainam. So, Mashal, the Gibra gives a beautiful Mashal of two sheep that were walking across the water. Achad Gezuza, one was sheared from its wool. Ve'achad Ena Gezuza, one had the wool on it. Gezuza Avra, the one that was sheared made it across. Because the wool weighed it down. And therefore, when a person wants to get saved, he's got to cut, cut from his money. When a guy cuts from his money, he gets saved when he crosses uh, Gainam. However, when a person comes there with all his money, he's laden, he's weighed down with his money, so therefore he cannot cross, and therefore, Hans is no good. And the Pasuk ends and says, Right, and you will you will uh, be in you will be in agony or you will be in pain, but not anymore. So the Gemara says, "Ve'initich amar murzutra afilu aniyam mitpanes mina sedaka yasei sedaka." Even if a person is suffering, is agonized, he's an ani himself. 
even the poor people have a mitzvah to give tzedakah. Which means, even if God is agonizing you, God is causing you pain, still, you have to give tzedakah yourself. No anech od, Tana Rav Yosef, Shuv en marin no simane aniyut. Which means, when the ani gives tzedakah, no anech, which means the agony goes away. His poverty is going to be removed. Okay, so that's uh, the anyan of the giving of the tzedakot. Comes the Gemara now, goes back, we said in the Mishnah, remember the Mishnah on the bed gave us the borders of Eris Yisrael. Rekim in the Mizrah, that's on the, um, the eastern uh, side. And then we gave uh, Akko to the Safon uh, and uh, all the other uh, places. Uh, so you know exactly where Israel is and where Hutzla'an is. So comes again and says, Now we said, Akko is the northern border of Israel. And we said, Akko is considered outside of Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara is going to question over here, that is Akko the most northern border of Israel? Lememra de Akko lesfona de Eretz Yisrael kaima? Urminu, we have a question. Let's say a person is walking from the city of Akko to the city of Khziv. Mimino lemizrach. Which means to his right, that means to the east, haderech on the road, so anything to the right is going to be considered the land of the Goim. And the land of the Goim, they were not careful where they would bury their bodies, and they wouldn't mark them. So therefore, the rabbis would go on Eretz Amim. So therefore, you should know, to the right is Eretz Amim, and therefore if you walked over there, you have a safek, you tamer, there's no obligation of Maaser in Eretz Amim, the Maaser is only on Jewish fields. There's no Shemitah as well. Only in Eretz Yisrael. Until you know you're in a place that definitely is Hayav. Now, to his left, to the west, you have no problem of Tum'ah, because there's no, there's no Tum'ah in Eretz Yisrael. The Hayevet Ma'asir, because it's considered Jewish fields, that's why I have to give Ma'asir. And also Shemitah, if it is the Shemitah, until you know that that part is not from Eretz Yisrael. Good. Ad Echan, and where does this rule follow? Ad Keziv. Until you walk to get to Keziv. Rabbi Shemayim, Rabbi Yosemim, Mishum Aviv, Ad Lablabo. Now, what's the Gemara's question over here? Basically, what you have over here is, you have Eris Yisrael, that she's understanding now that on the eastern uh, uh, flank of Eris Yisrael, the eastern border, you have, you have the, um, you have, you have Akko. Akko, we thought, was the most northern, northern <coughs> part. But the Gemara then says, if a person is walking from Akko to Keziv, now Keziv is above Akko, I mean, he's going from the uh, southeast, portion of Eretz Yisrael to the northeast part of Eretz Yisrael. That means right away Keziv is more north than Akko. So you told me Akko and Tzafot. That's not so. You already have Keziv which is more north than Akko. Now the Gemara says when he's walking up so to the right of him is already Eretz Amin. And anything to the right he has to be careful for Tum'ah and all that other stuff. No Shemitah, no Maaseh. To the left is considered Eris Yisrael, and therefore, well, there's no Tumai, you have to be concerned for Shemitah, and you have to be concerned with Maaser. Look at Rashi. 
Rashi says, let's just read Rashi, it's the uh, second line, Miminolim is Nachaderech, to his right, which is to the east, Hashta Mashma, and it's Mashma now, De'ako Kaima Begbul Mizrachat Shal Eris Yisrael, that Ako is on the eastern side of Eris Yisrael, Mashuk Memeksoa Sefunit, Yom O Yomayim De Saddarom, towards the south. I mean, one or two days towards the south. So therefore, it's southeast. The Chaziv, and Chaziv, which is above that, because you're going from uh, Akko to Chaziv, is in the northeastern part. That's when you walk on the eastern border, south to north, so you're going to end up in Chaziv. That means much better. Chaziv is more north than that's what you're really doing. You're walking south to north. Right? Make a simple, simple direction. When you're going south to north, to your right is going to be the east, to your left is going to be the west. And that's exactly what the Gibbara is saying. To your right, you have to assume that that's away from Eris Yisrael, that's Eris Amin, and to the left is going to be considered Eris Yisrael, it's the Ma'arav, the way he's walking, and therefore he has to treat it like Eris Yisrael. If you want to look in your, uh, in your books, it's a very simple picture, they have the picture over here, it's nothing difficult. There's the according to that sheet, is the eastern side of Eris Yisrael, you see Akko is drawn from Eris Yisrael, and you draw a straight line from Akko to Kziv, okay, so anything to the, to the right of Akko, Okay. Anything to the right of Akko is considered Eris Amim. Anything to the left of Akko, you see the strip of Eris Israel, that's considered Eris Israel. Right? That's the way they uh, that's the way they're drawing it over there. But the basic the question they give about is Kaziv is more north than Akko. He's walking from Akko to Kaziv. No, he's walking from Akko to Kaziv. He's walking from the southeastern portion of Israel to the northeastern portion of Israel. Who's the Gemara answers? Oh, changing the whole uh, the whole map now. There's a ritsua, which literally means there's a narrow strip of land that comes out uh, north of Akko, which means the Eretz uh, Israel uh, has width, right? Has the normal width. And then it becomes, uh, you know, it narrows, it narrows up. And therefore, he says like this, the main width of the land of Israel is only uh, by Akko. After Akko, above it, it starts to narrow out. Okay? So therefore, when it said, uh, Akko Safon, it meant that that's where the Ikar width of the land is. After Akko, already it narrows up. If you look at the picture, you see... Uh, well, the pictures that we have in our art scroll, at least, you see Akko, the land is wide over there by Akko. Above Akko already, the land starts to go back uh, inside. Right? gets a little more uh, narrow. Right? Until, uh, until Kizid. So when the Mishnah said Akko the Tzafon, it was referring to, which means the, the, the widest part of Eris Israel in the north is by Akko. And it cannot be. Kizid might be more north, but that's already after the land uh, thins out. So if that's what it meant, Akko Tzafon, where the land is uh, wide. Look at that she. That she says, L'tzua nafka, Le'olam Akko B'tzafon, Rebu'ad De'eris Yisraeli. Which means now that she comes along and says, he falls off his original assumption. He says, really I'll tell you that what, Akko is not in the east. 
Atma is actually on the northern side of Eretz He's changing the whole map now. In his Hav, I mean, he said it was on the east side. I said it's on the north. Which means there's a ritzuah, there's a certain like a strip that comes out of Eretz um, Israel above Akko. Now, what would that mean? Uh, so that's why it says Akko is the northern uh, piece over there, because the Ikar Roham of Eretz Israel is by Akko. All the Gemara's point is to say is that uh, when we said Akko is the most northern point. It means it's the most northern point where the width of Eris Israel is the most wide. Because by Akko, that's where the, the land becomes wide. That's the main thing you have to know. To that, the Gemara comes along and says a question. Gemara says, Does the Tana give a Siman like that? Which means... It's such a, a such a, 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 a fine item that you're coming along and telling me the border of Israel where the where the land juts out. That's the most northern point. Is, is that is that normal for the Torah to give like like a, a, a demarcation on such a such such a sliver of land that comes out that becomes the border? Is that is that normal? The Gemara says. Gemara says. We have a pasuk that also gave a siman like that. The pasuk says like this: We have there's a party in Shiloh. That is uh, to the north of Bet El, Mizracha Shemesh, Limsila Bet El Shechema It's giving the uh, the coordinates. Of Shiloh, so it says Vamara Papal Mizrahashil Mesila, which means it's telling you um, where Shiloh is. Shiloh is to the east of the road that is between Bet El and Shem. Now that's a that's also a very fine uh, 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 coordinates. When you're telling me, I'm giving you the location based on where the road was. Which, if you look at the uh, if you look at the picture in that sheet, now you can understand this picture. You see, there was a road that led from Bet El. Right, there's a road in front of Bet El. So it's saying that Shiloh, right, is to the east of the road. Which it is, it's the eastern road. So you see that what the Torah does sometimes give you a direction to a, to a little uh, area. Just like we're saying, Akko is the north where the road juts out, where the land juts out, a little piece of sliver of land that juts out. Do we do such a thing? We do such a thing. When the Torah was trying to tell you where Shiloh was, the Navi, it tells us it's east of the road that goes from uh, Bet El to the Mizahashim, Mesilah, that goes between Bet El and Shem. So you see, it does uh, talk in those uh, terms. Good. Look at that sheet. So when it says it's to the east, it means it's the east of the road that goes from Bet-El to Shem. Very good. Rashi says, Yeah, it's to the north of Bet-El. Exactly like it is. You see, it's to the... Shiloh is to the north of Levona. Actually, it is to the north of Bet-El. Exactly. You see, Shiloh to Bet-El is north. 
Look at Rashi. Shilot relative to Beit El is north. Yes or no? Mm-hmm. So that's what it means when it says. Uh, 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 so, so what does it mean to the east? Cannot be to the east. It's to the north. So that she says when it says the east, it must be it's the east to the road. East of the road that goes from Beit El to Shechem. So you see that sometimes you use a little area, a little small little street to discuss exactly where a location is. Similarly, Akko is to the north of the sliver of land that juts out of Eretz Israel. Okay, now we go to a new point. Tana. Hadam. We have one statement. I mean, we get this fina. A person brings a, a get in a boat in uh, waters of Eretz Israel. The waters of Eretz Yisrael, the Medina of Eretz Yisrael, therefore on the boat, the Shaliyah does not have to say, when he brings the gate from the boat, it's like bringing from Israel, he does not have to say, the Fanai Nechtav, the Fanai Nechtav. He's bringing a gate, right, from a boat to Eretz Yisrael. Betanya Idach, Kemevi B'chutz Ta'aris. And some say no, it's like bringing it from B'chutz Ta'aris. Look at Rashi. Shenichtab b'sfina. It was written on the boat. Rashi says, "Bekas al kadatag the benarot er Israel." We're talking about the waters of Israel. So Rashi says, "Kibivim be Eretz Yisrael keil meviad derech yabasha." It's like you're bringing it on the dry land of Israel. Ve'ed sarich lomar befanai nichtab. Betanya idach amiring Rashi kibivim bechutzal aris shanahar enu turat yabasha. The the, the the waters do not have a land dean of dry land. Therefore, it's like Hussaris. Therefore, you have to say Bifanai Nikhtav. So the Gibran now is going to explain the Mahlokin. How do you explain the Mahlokin in the two statements? Ahmad of Yirmiyah, Lakashya. Harbi Yehuda, Harabanan. Ditnan, we have the Mishnah. Afar Chutz La'aris, Habab Bisfina La'aris. You took Afar from Chutz La'aris. You took the afar, you put it on a boat. And you, the boat now is in Israel waters. And you plant it on the boat. You took that water, that, that um, dirt, you put it on the bottom of the boat. And as she says, we're talking about where the boat is made out of heres. And therefore, heres is not considered an interposition between the boat and the ground of the water if you go all the way down to the water there's this ground that ground is Eretz Israel so therefore the Heres boat when you put the dirt it's is pottery it's made out of a pottery boat when you put the dirt on the ground of the boat we consider the dirt connected to the to the land of Israel and therefore if you plant on that boat it's considered Hayav in Ma'asir and you must follow the laws of Shemitah the boat has to be stationary. It's got to stop. If the boat is moving, patur. Now let's stop. Look at Rashi. You plant it on the boat itself. And it starts to grow. It's made out of pottery. The inner which means you don't have to make a hole in the boat, obviously, which means it's porous. So therefore it's considered as if it's attached to the ground itself. Because 
Because you see what? You're in Israeli waters. That's considered already like Israel. Rabbi Yudha says, that's fine, but the boat's got to be stationary. Go Sheshit. Which means you cannot have a separation between the water and the boat. The boat actually has to be touching the bottom of the, uh, of the ocean, which means it's shallow waters. Then it's considered in, right, rubbing against the bottom of the water. That's considered in Israel. So we want to say that the Mahloket <laughs> of Gitin is the Mahloket Tanakama and the Biuda, which means we're talking about over here in the uh, in the Mahloket that why we're going to say like this we're talking about it's the boat is moving so if the boat is moving in the waters of Eris Israel can you write a get or not so according to Tanakama that says even when the boat is moving you can consider it like it is said in Yan planting. For example, you put dirt on the bottom of the boat. So that's considered it is Israel. So in such a case, you're allowed to write a get on such a without saying Whereas according to the Biyuda, where the boat is moving, it doesn't have the status of it is Israel. Therefore, if you'd write a get in such a case, you'd have to say Again, I repeat to you. I don't want you to get confused and think that the boat has to be a Heres boat to get. Heres boat is only in the Inyan planting. Fishimitar, all that stuff. Because the boat has to be considered connected to the, to the ground. But it for a get, I don't care if the boat's made out of metal. The point is we're just proving from the planting cases that there's a boat in Israeli waters have a deal like Israel. So the Gabbana is saying, you see from this Malokit, that it's indeed about Loket. As the boat is moving through the waters of Eris Israel, according to Tanakama, it's like Eris Israel. If you plant on the bottom of the boat, it's considered Hayav and Shemitah, Hayav and Maaseh. Therefore, on any boat that's in the waters of Israel, the Heres is a law for planting. But we're not talking about planting, I'm talking about a get now. I don't care what the boat's made out of that young get. The point is, it's in the waters of Eris Israel. Therefore, you're going to be. Except from saying, whereas according to the Biyuda, you're going to have to say, because as long as the boat is moving, it's not considered in Eris Yisrael. From the case of the planting. That's the Gemara says. Abaye Amar. Abayi Kazon says, no, why do you have to say it's a mahlokit, the two statements? Whether it get, you have to say before I nechtav or not. Amar Abayi, ha-be-ar Abayi Ve-la-kashya. Kam bizman she'ena sefina go-sheshet. Kam bizman she'ena sefina go-sheshet. Period. I can say both things to the Abayi And we can make a haluk whether the boat is moving or not. If the boat is moving, we'll say what? It's not considered it's Israel, therefore you have to say before I nechtav. If the boat is stationary on the bottom of the water, then according to the Buddha, it is considered in Israel, and therefore he does not have to say which means, instead of explaining that it's a mahloket, Tanakama and the Bihuda, we can explain that both statements are the Bihuda. And just make a look if the boat is moving or not. Touching the ground or not. That's what I mean, moving or not. Touching the ground. If it's touching the ground, 
even the Biyuda says it has a deen of Eris Yisrael, therefore you don't have to say Mephanai Nechtab, and if it's not touching the ground, therefore it has a deen of Hutzar, you don't have to say, but the Gemara is going to fall off this, but that's at least right now the way we are reconciling.